Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome in overtime here on The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you on a miserable we used to call it misery monday maybe we still do still do call it misery monday it's pretty miserable it's pretty terrible watching the washington football team revolving around the washington football team that yesterday was not fun we're going to talk about it together 800-636-1067 it's the phone number uh we're also going to talk about it with sam fortier of the washington post coming up at 7 30 Take a slight detour at 8, uh, talk to Sam Pell of the Post as well on the Caps. Is your name Sam? Do you write about sports for the Post? Congrats, you're on the radio tonight. Uh, Sam Pell, 8 o'clock, Sam Fortier, 7.30. Um, I want to dive into Ron Rivera's remarks today too because I think they're interesting and I have something that I'm going to put out there before everybody else. Now, I think most people listening, if you're familiar with me, you know I am not a take guy. I don't like the, let me get this hot take out there, whatever. But sometimes you just got to go there. Sometimes you call it the way you see it, and the way you see it's a little different than the way everyone else sees it. Because today, I feel like everyone got all up in arms about Ron Rivera's comments. And it seems like the, the beat guys and gals are on this, that you know the idea that Rivera could definitely get more involved on the defensive play calling. And he got really huffy puffy and they're like, he's adamant that he is not going to do it. I'm calling it right now. He's full of it. Ron Rivera understands head coaching in the NFL. He understands part of his job is to take bullets. And the problem for Ron is Ron doesn't like that. Not that he doesn't, not that he wants to blame others. But when you take a bullet for someone, it means you have to lie. And he doesn't like to do that. Part of the Ron Rivera aura, I need a better word than aura, the, the Ron Rivera signature, we'll go with that, 
is that he's this ultimate character man. Someone who's authentic that you can believe in. The players certainly seem to buy it. But I think a lot of times media takes him too much on his face. Because he's not dumb and he takes advantage of that. But I think if you were to get the chance to pull Ron Rivera aside and be like, we are 100% off the record. I will never speak of this conversation. But in exchange for that, I need you to be honest with me. He'd be furious with Jack Del Rio. He'd be more furious with players that he says are just, oh, it's one little thing, detail here, immaturity there. It's a lot of code words in coach speak for, we got a bunch of dudes who either aren't that good and we missed. My scouting department missed. I missed. My coordinators, my coaches, whoever it is who thought it was a good idea to sign that guy, draft that guy, missed. Or my coaches are doing a terrible job of getting across the, what it is that these guys are supposed to do. Because the mistakes that we're seeing on Sundays are not NFL caliber for a team that has aspirations of the playoffs. And Ron, who's been around a lot of good teams and has been a good, albeit not great, coach in this league for a long time, knows it. If you... And the thing is, sometimes some of the guys they may have been right on are getting screwed by other guys. I can't put the touchdown yesterday that scored on William Jackson the third solely on William Jackson the third. It looks like he's in man coverage because they're all in man coverage on a trip side, and they run a simple interference. You know, guy. You know the the guy who's closest to the line of scrimmage, the receiver that ultimately scores the touchdown. He is just running a simple wheel route. The receiver, who's number two, he comes in, sits down, is basically, he's running a pick route, and he gets to pick uh, William Jackson the third perfectly because Jackson, like a veteran corner who's played man-to-man before, is like, hey, we're going to switch this because the chances that I am going to be able to run over five guys, three of theirs and two of mine, to get to where I need to go versus the guy next to me who's already closer to that aren't very good. So he goes to switch, and Benjamin St. Juice, who's a rookie, who's on number two in the slot, a position that he hasn't played, and he hasn't played much NFL football at all, he just runs with his guy. Is that what he was supposed to do? Maybe. I don't know. It could have been William Jackson III's fault, but I can't sit here and be honest with you and be like, William Jackson III, terrible. Ron Rivera said it today. He graded out as one of his better games. They played him a lot more man yesterday. He had some nice plays. The hit on uh, Taysom Hill was dumber than rocks. But what are you going to do? That stuff happens in football. He was going for the ball. He missed. He shouldn't have gone for anything because it was going to be an incomplete pass. So if he can stop having 15-yard penalties, that'd be great. But the touchdown play, it's the communication. That is actually one of the things that's wrong. But one of the things that's so frustrating about watching this team is, and then listening to Rivera, is it's just simple stuff that's not good enough to be a winning football team. You know, I think it's interesting uh, comments that have gotten a lot of run today from Sean Payton and from Alex Smith. Sean uh, making them post game last night, uh, saying, yeah, we kind of knew what they were going to do. And 
Uh, Alex Smith saying that what Washington has done defensively has been pretty vanilla. You can win in this league with vanilla. Vanilla is not bad. Controversial take. You get really good vanilla, it's delicious. It's just got to be done exquisitely well. The problem is that they're predictable and not good at vanilla or chocolate or strawberry or anything. Because if you're predictable, you're easily manipulated. And that's different than, say, when Seattle and the Legion of Boom used to run cover three every snap. They were just so good at it that like you couldn't beat their vanilla. That's not what this team is. So part of the problem is Jack Del Rio is saying, all right, in this situation, we're getting the vanilla. In this situation, we're going to get the chocolate. And everybody knows it. So if you're Sean Payton, you got a vanilla beater on uh, as option one, chocolate beater option two. Sweet. We know what we're going to do this week. It's uh, scenario one. They're calling vanilla. Get the vanilla beater. I don't think this analogy is working anymore. It worked long enough that you get the point. The problem for Jack Del Rio and the staff, and I think why Ron Rivera is so ticked off, is I don't think that Del Rio trusts his players to execute anything. So he's like, I'm going to keep this simple so that my guys know what to do, but then they don't do it well anyway, and then you see the results. So I think Ron is covering for whether it's Del Rio or the DB's coach or the D-line coach or the linebacker coach, whoever it is that he's covering for, covering for, he doesn't like doing that, and that's why he got so testy today. Because he's full of it. There's a 100% chance he's more involved in defensive meetings this week. Because that's his job. But he can't do that to his staff and publicly throw them under the bus, so he has to lie. He doesn't like lying, so he tries to create a bit of a distraction by getting in a tizzy slash subconsciously just doesn't like what he he's he knows he has to do, so he gets into it a little bit with the press. Gets a little testy. Gets a little a little condescending, if we're being honest. I don't blame him. It just is. I'm just going to call it out for what it is, which is that. They have other problems beyond that, though. And it starts in the middle at linebacker. Is it too early to call Jamin Davis a bust? Yes. A mistake? Let's talk about it next on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This Washington football team had aspirations, has aspirations of making the playoffs. And while they are definitely doing a weird blend of rebuild and compete at the same time, drafting a player who is this significant at a project at 19 does not make any sense at all for any team at any time unless you are in full rebuild and think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But I would like to take this point to remind you of something that, if you listen to me at night often, I apologize because you've heard this one before. But Jamin Davis was not a starter until his junior year at Kentucky. His sophomore year, he had a whopping 32 tackles. His freshman year, he barely played. He was basically a special teamer. He had 10 total tackles. Did have a pick, which is nice. Had a pass defended, which is cool. Had another pick his sophomore year. Had three his junior year. Then he came out and was a first-round pick. You get it. You watch him. He's fast. Doesn't see the game particularly well, though. That's pretty clear. Um, and this is what drives me bananas. Because Davis plays a position where I don't, like, I'm not going to tell you that it's it's not hard to evaluate. And are there some nuances that maybe I'm missing? I'm open to that. But I tell you that uh, if he was better, he'd play more than 13 snaps on a defense that's desperately in need of playmakers. But why did you draft a guy in, a first round, in the first round who, like, doesn't have elite production at the college level? And I guess kind of my point is with Davis is that if he was that good, he would have started for Kentucky. I don't really care who was in front of him. If he's that good, he would have started for Kentucky. And now you need him to start in the NFL. This week against Patrick Mahomes, where he can spend a lot of time covering Travis Kelsey. Goody, goody gumdrops, welcome to the league. So when you had, and, and someone just tweeted me saying like, oh, Wusu Koromoto starting for Cleveland, who they took after they took Sam Cosme, Cleveland took after Washington took Sam Cosme in the second round. So they had two shots at a Wusu Koromoa, who seems to be a better player. Uh, the kid Pete Werner from Ohio State, pretty good day yesterday for New Orleans, running around the field, noticed him. But you're looking at a kid who is clearly weighing over his head, who I don't know that he's even playing the right position because he's played all over. They're like, versatility. And I'm like, pick one. The middle linebacker spot's too important in any defense. And your first-round picks are too important to get guys who can't play immediately unless they are your future 
franchise quarterback. If you're San Francisco and want to sit on Trey Lance because you don't think you're that good, or you're Chicago and you want to sit on Justin Fields, sure, fine. That guy's hopefully going to be your starting quarterback for a decade. Quarterback is the most influential position in sports. It's worth that kind of investment. But any other position, if you draft a guy straight away, he's got to be able to play. That's part of getting a first-round grade to me. And yet here they are. First-rounder who played 13 snaps and essentially got benched after not filling his gap on a ridiculously easy rushing touchdown for Alvin Kamara. Our player who, while terrific, very skilled, had a long run coming into yesterday of 14 yards through four games. Got more than 14 on that play, and he got six points. Not good. Not great, Bob! So, yeah. Is it too early to call him a bust? Yeah. A mistake? Well, we're five games into his rookie year, and he's been a net negative. So, we have some data points. It's not good. Far from the biggest problem, but I think is indicative of a larger problem within this organization, which is figuring out who the hell is good. They seem to have a talent problem, and it's not great. 800-636-1067. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on the defense overall? We will get into Heineke and the offense as well, but whatever it is that you want, let it off your chest. I'll uh, I'll play therapist next. 800-636-1067. Taking your calls on Washington football from now until 7.30 when Sam Fortier joins us. I'm Craig Hoffman. This is Overtime on The Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Greg Hoffman with you on Overtime on the fan. Sam Fortier at the bottom of the hour. Sam Pell at the top of the next hour. Perhaps some preseason Capitals joy. Perhaps. Or maybe she'll tell you something you don't like. I don't know. I haven't talked to her yet. It's coming up at the top of the hour. Sam Fortier on, of course, the Washington football team at the bottom of the hour, both from Washington Post. And they'll appear on the BetQL guest line where all guests do bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Today, now though, we go to the Gambit DC listener lines. Your thoughts on this Washington football debacle? 800-636-1067. Let's start with Fetty and Ashburn. Fetty, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Craig, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for taking my call. You got it, man. Hey, I'm going to run down the line real quick. If you just give me, just give me a few. I'm going to start with the defense, and um, I'm a I'm a lifelong Redskins fan, man. I'm 37 years old. I've been a fan ever since I could walk. Okay. My whole family is, you know, all from this area. Um, and, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen, we've had the glory days with the Hogs and Art Monk, Gary Clark, 
Daryl Green, all these all these players that had heart that played. I just want to say, I think something like Landon Collins, when he's out there, he's more worried about getting his jersey dirty than anything else. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how – I know we paid the guy a lot of money, right? You know, but if you – you know, I'm sure you watch the game over and over just like me. He 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 looks lost out there. He if he, the, the the bomb that they threw into the end zone, he didn't even jump. It looked like he was boxing out Fuller. I didn't. I don't understand. I don't know if he if it's. Do you know if it's he just does not want to play linebacker because he would be perfect if it was him, Cole Holcomb, and uh, and Davis back there playing. I mean, you know, playing linebacker. It's. I can't say that he'd be perfect because he's a safety. Like he's not. He's not a linebacker. Like I'm not telling you that he doesn't fill the safety role well in the box. That I wouldn't if I was a defensive coordinator try to keep him down in the box. But at the end of the day, like he's not built like a linebacker. He's too small. And, and to to go down and like when you're a linebacker, you have to go down and take on offensive linemen. Landon Collins versus guard is a bad idea. Like in that short of space, if you come down from the safety position, you can be elusive because you're fat, you're quick, and you're fast, and that's yeah. your your superpower against a big giant lumbering by NFL standards offensive guard. When you've got three I yards guess. between you and the guard, and you're a linebacker, that dude gets on you fast. You don't have time to be elusive because there's not enough space, and you get crushed. So. I, yeah. I hear the Landon Collins linebacker thing. Him in the box yeah. has merit in certain situations, but like down in, down out, that dude's not a solution at linebacker. He's just not. Okay, all right. So let me let me just ask you this: How how big is Cole Holcomb? How how big is he compared to Landon Collins? Cole's probably got twenty ish pounds on Landon. Okay, twenty pounds. There's twenty pounds different. You know, um, you know, I agree with you saying, you know, maybe he can't go against the lineman like you know, but you know, it's a twenty pounds different. He can't cover, man. He can't cover back there. And, and that's that's fair, Fetty. I'm, I'm gonna let you go because we got a bunch of calls. But like, that's fair. And, and the thing is, that's driving me nuts about what they're doing with Landon slash what Landon might be doing himself is Landon has found himself in bad positions on touchdowns in back to back games. And again, I don't know whether that's Landon himself doing that. Or whether it is, hey, we're going to try to disguise coverage. By the way, Cole Holcomb listed at 240, Landon Collins listed at 218. So 22 pounds difference. That's that's, that's significant. Um, but against the Falcons, he lines up deep and is in man-to-man against Cordero Patterson and has to cover a massive amount of space. And actually does a really good job. But it's really hard to hit a dude that's as slippery as Cordero Patterson in the open field when you're running full speed trying to close that distance downhill. Meanwhile, he's got to chase uh, Harris as a deep player. I don't think his eyes are necessarily in the right place. So that's, you know, take that for what it is. I'd have to know more about what his assignment was on that play. But he certainly is the deep player. And they, they get quick snapped and he's down in some disguise. But it's like, if you can't disguise stuff, then don't disguise it. Quit trying to fool people and just line up and play. Align, assignment, or sorry, alignment, assignment. Those are the two most important things on defense. Disguise is bonus. If you can't get lined up and can't don't can't complete your assignment, fooling someone's not going to help you. Because by the way, the quarterbacks in this league are way too smart. Even a guy like Jameis Winston who makes a ton of mistakes, misreads coverage all the time, you give him that where he's got his number one on a deep route and the safety's not only not deep, but not looking, good night.
and that's what happened. Let's go to Tony in College Park. Tony, thanks for calling. You're on the phone. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call, man. A um, couple things, man. Uh, I've seen, I saw something yesterday I don't think I've ever seen in watching the Redskins over 40 years, man. And if you could get the right angle uh, of the, the Hail Mary, it's a, they have several angles, but there's one angle where it's kind of from the side, and you can see um, Cameron Curl coming. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally, while the ball's in the air, Cameron Curl's coming toward, he's, when he gets about five yards away, he literally stops running. Like, he stops running. Like, he, I'm talking about the ball is in the air. The play is going on. He's five yards away from it. He, he's running at a decent speed. And then, he, it, it, go look at it. He breaks down and stops running. To me, that speaks to these players checking out on the coach, man. So that's yeah. what that that that's what that speaks to me. They checked out on 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 the coach. I don't understand this whole Del Rio uh, thing where you you draft Jamin Davis, who's an outside linebacker, and you want to fit him into being a middle linebacker, right? Yeah, I don't get you that draft, one. You get William William Jackson, who's a press corner his whole career, and you want to make him play zone. Like organizations that win don't do that. They build a system around the talent they have. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Tony. And the Hail Mary play is just mind-blowing. Like, every defender, I, I feel like I just want to watch the All-22 and just focus on each and every guy and be like, all right, so this is what Chase Young does on this play. And just go down the line, then go to the linebackers, and then go to the DBs. Because, like, Bobby McCain, he's playing deep, and he comes over, and, and he's just like he can't find the ball. Like, he runs back as if he's waiting for an interception, like a tip ball that's going to come back behind the pile and is going to then run it back 107 yards for a touchdown. Like, what are you doing, bro? It's the last play of the first half. Go up there and slam dunk the football. Like, go up there and punch it as hard as you can. You know, classic. Knock it down! Do that. That is just... The Hail Mary is just, I don't know about quitting. It's just like, where's your football IQ? I don't think guys quit on coaches. I don't think guys are out there being like, man, I don't care. My coach, whatever. Like, they're out there for their pride. They're competitive. I think that stuff has, like, if you see a bunch of mistakes that are mental where it seems like guys weren't focused during the week, where they weren't locked in in practice, that's the stuff from, like, they've tuned out the coach. A mistake, like a lack of effort during the game, in a competitive game, that's that's reflective of the players. They weren't prepared for the situation. That's mind-blowing. There's eight seconds left. They're not going 15-yard quick out and field goal. There's not enough time. And if they are, it ain't that hard to stop. Not being prepared for a Hail Mary just in case, that's an indictment of the coaches. Not effort level, but... Whew. But the Davis thing, uh, I'll make this point too, and then we'll get back, get a couple more calls before we get to Sam Fortier at the bottom of the hour. I disagree a little bit with what Tony said. I don't think outside of quarterback, you build systems around players. You draft players because it's too hard. There's too many different skill sets that you're trying to build. Like, What does it mean to build a system around Chase Young? It's not a thing that you do. What you do is understand there's enough football players out there that are good enough to fit what you do. 
And so drafting a guy who doesn't, or signing and spending a lot of money, which I don't begrudge, again, I always clarify this, I don't begrudge William Jackson III getting his money. Good for him. But we're talking about a percent of the salary cap, right? Because now we're talking about the competitive side of things. If you're the, the Washington football team and Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio and, and whoever else, and you dedicate that percent of your salary cap to a guy who doesn't play the way you play, that's on you. What are you doing? If you have aspirations to change your style, okay, which they wanted to do this year, that's part of the reason they signed Jackson. I will give them that credit. They wanted to play more man, but then do it. They, they got a bunch of dudes, whether it's Collins, Jackson, these linebackers. The line actually played a lot better yesterday, finally. Played cohesively, stayed in rush lanes. You saw it pay off in some sacks and some pressures where Winston would step up right into someone else. But they, you got a bunch of guys that are that have way too much going on in their heads. And they, they have no, they're, they're not playing freely to just go play. And it's really, really really evident because none of them are doing things that they've done before. None of them are being put in their comfort zones, which happens when you try to fit stuff around people instead of getting people who fit what you do. Greg Hoffman with you on the fan. More of your phone calls next. Sam Fortier of the Washington Post in 10 minutes. Uh, let's go back to the Gamba DC listener lines, 800-636-1067, Vix and Akakik. Vic, thanks for calling. You are on the fan, sir. Craig, what's up, man? What's up, bro? How are you? I'm a pretty I'm pretty good. Craig, um, we have seen eye to eye more times than not. Um, uh, but I will say tonight you were like preaching Bible of football at the beginning of this of the show. I'm watching I'm just watching film on Jamin Davis because I thought about what you said. So I said, let me go back and look at this play. I said, so everybody has gap control. Uh, the three-tech had gap control. He was squeezing his man. Landon Collins went outside of him because if Landon Collins goes inside, then that's a jam, and Alvin Kamara still probably could bust it outside. Uh, uh, or they run into the back of each other. And then I'm looking at the backside uh, week A or backside B, and I'm like, that's a kill shot. If Jamin Davis just steps up, yep. he, 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 even if even if Calvin Kamara just runs over him, he gets maybe three to four yards. And I said, does he? Did I ask myself? I said, does he understand what he's looking at? Does he understand? Well, no, and that's, guard, guard to Vic, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an even finer point on that. So the play we're talking about, so everybody understands, is the Alvin Kamara touchdown. And what happens Inside is the zone, Saints. Yeah. The the safe the it's an inside zone run exactly for for the Saints and that they they put a little window dressing on it in that they sift mm-hmm. the tight end across the formation yes. and so yes. what happens yes. is Jamin Davis sees that tight end coming and is like oh look the run's going outside the run's going this way yeah and, and he goes yes. outside leaving the the hole right up the middle and that he's supposed to to play and instead of so he reads the wrong key. So instead of doing his job, being in the A-gap, he's like, oh, I got to follow this lead blocker. And that's not his job. And that's and when that's you have a safe. guy who it's doesn't easy. do his job in, in run fits in the NFL, you get touchdowns. It's touchdowns. And, 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 and see, I like what you said because that's something that a high school football player will be confused by. That is, that is clearly something you see in high school football just to give the misdirection of the eyes. 
And that's what – but see, I, I, I blame that on Jamin for not seeing what – on the field I blame it on Jamin. But then I, that's why I blame this on Jack Del Rio. And then upward, I blame it on Ron Rivera. Because if me – like, Craig, you, you, you get to do this every day. You get to watch film and all that every day. This is your profession. I'm an educator. So I'm just uh, – theoretically to the world, I'm a fan. So he doesn't really know any more football than Jack Del Rio, Craig Hoffman, because he doesn't get to do this every day. But I, I, I'm one of those fans that know what I'm looking at. If we see this, you can't tell me the million-dollar man Jack Del Rio get paid every day to watch the culture game that children play. If you didn't see this, and you don't see he's making these types of mistakes, and your linebackers are making these types of mistakes. And, Ron, you played linebacker for, for one of the greatest defenses in the NFL. Are you telling me from that to the missed tackles, to the open field missed tackles, to the DBs not playing on top of hips, to Landon Collins not getting – so I, the, the play got scored on the seven-yard touchdown. It was an invert. Don't let nobody get behind you, Landon, that simple football. You mean to tell me that they don't see this? Then if they don't see this, Ron, then I have to start questioning you, Ron. And I get it. I, I do agree with you, Craig. I do think Ron is flustered because he's a loyal man of integrity. And he uh, understands honor and organizational structure. He does not want to throw his coaches under the bus publicly. And I can tell he is ferociously upset. But doggone it, you said, Ron, we trust. And you've said everything that leads to that. So you got to start doing it. You gotta start calling this stuff. It's the same thing Shanahan did. It's the same thing Gruden did. It's the same thing Jim Zorn did. They did not. They, they treated the fans and the rest of the intelligent sports media like idiots. Like we don't know what we're looking at. We do know what we're looking at. And this is bad football. This is bad fundamental simplistic football. This is stuff you don't see on a professional football team, like you said, that's trying to make the playoffs. And if you do see it, then something is terribly wrong with your administration and your coaching staff. Period. And yeah. yes, I, I agree with Grant uh, Tyler, Taylor Han, Heineke. Had a had a, actually a D minus F plus game because he over he, it was a lot of touch he left two touchdowns on the field at least and he left a yard of yards on yard of yards on the field so that led me to believe that he's serviceable for now but he's not the quarterback for the future I rest my case uh, Craig Vic thanks for the call I think I think you should get more excited next time that was that was a joke sarcasm only works so well when you're solo on the radio because there's no one to laugh at you. Here's the thing I will say. When Vic gets very upset there, talking about, they got it, they got it, no, they, they got it. They know. The problem is they didn't know beforehand. They knew during. You know how I know? Because they benched him. <laughs> That's how I know that they know. They benched Jamin Davis. They said, we can't win with this. David Mayo, you go try. Khalid Hudson, you go try. Cole Holcomb, we know you're trying, bro. But we need somehow more. Fifth round pick from the previous administration. I'm just saying. They knew. Uh, real quick, let's go to Will, Will in Springfield. Uh, Will, thanks for calling. We're going to have to be quick, but uh, let's see if we can squeeze in your, your take here on the fan. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you got it. Love the show. Love the show. Love the show, by the way. Uh, real quick. Um, you know, I, 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 there are so many things that I wanted to say, but I just want to get down to this real quick. You know, they know. And since they know, um, we know that we had Sean McVay. We know that we had Kyle Shanahan. We know that we had Matt LaFleur. Now we have Scott Turner. Scott Turner's got to go. We, we've seen too many offensive coordinators and, and, and too many good minds. Here in D.C., we just didn't have a really good team. I feel like now we have 
pretty good team. Not not really good quarterback, but Scott Turner's got to go. Um, and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, I appreciate that call in part because I want to get to Turner and this offense a little later in the show. I actually don't think Scott Turner's done a bad job. I think Scott Turner's been dealt a pretty terrible hand. And I want to get into that later because there's some things, that especially one particular player, who we need to talk about a lot more. And it's what he hasn't done as opposed to what he has done. So we'll talk about that coming up after Sam Fortier. Sam joins us next, uh, Washington football beat reporter for The Post. Uh, and then don't forget, we got Sam Pell sprinkling a little caps a couple days before their opener at the bottom of the hour. Craig Hoffman with you on Overtime on The Fan. Joining me now on the BetQL guest line at Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Uh, Sam, always good to chat, and I'm glad we didn't have to wait two years and discover the last time that we talked was when we were exchanging Case Keenum sound to do this again like we did in the preseason. <laughs> Man, Case Keenum, I'm, I'm not saying uh, he would be an upgraded quarterback here because he would not be, but, I mean, that, that actually reminds me of if a bleaker time in Washington football, which, I mean, people who have been around longer than me will be like, hey, man, that's a pretty illustrious history. You don't got to worry about that. But the defense right now, for me, you know, covering this team for two years, it seems pretty bleak. Yeah, just make sure you're not within uh, arm's length of Kime when you say that because he will reach out and smack <laughs> you. He has a lot, you know, a quarter century at this point. Sorry, John, uh, just did that to you. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm at with this team because, you know, like emotionally after yesterday, you're like, man, that's a really bad football team. And... It's hard uh, in some ways to remember some of the kind of the circumstances around it, right? Like this offense yesterday is missing Deami Brown and Cam Sims, which either one of those fine together. That's a huge deal made even bigger by the fact that Curtis Samuel only plays five snaps. So offensively, that's what they're dealing with. Defensively, I don't know what they're dealing with, but it's obviously something. Let's start there. Where are you at with, and, and you obviously were in the room, uh, or I guess on the Zoom, talking to Rivera earlier. So, so mixing into your, your take here, your opinion, your, your feelings at this point, what Ron said. Where are you with the defense and their ability to bounce back, knowing also that the Chiefs are about to come to town? Yeah, so let me break this down into a couple of parts. I think the first part is defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Uh, you know, several people, including... ESPN analyst now, Alex Smith, and, and Saints coach Sean Payton kind of criticized him uh, either after the game or, or today in terms of playing vanilla, predictable coverages. I mean, Sean Payton after the game said yesterday, we knew they were going to play five down linemen a bunch, uh, and we had a bunch of plays on the play sheet that were ready to beat it. So, I mean, that's, that's not great. But obviously, earlier today, Ron Rivera uh, was extremely emphatic in his defense of Jack Del Rio, saying he wouldn't even consider you know, stepping into play calls, you know, making coaching changes. He was very emphatic in the defense of him. I think obviously some of this also is, is talent, is, is miscommunications, because as Landon Collins said, you know, they quick snapped and, and basically he just got outrun by Deontay Harris on that, on that big touchdown yesterday. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on with this defense. The one that sticks out to me is, is something that, like, when people focus on the Hail Mary and they focus on the 72-yard touchdown and they say, oh, my God, fire everybody, like, that to me misses the point because last year Washington was an elite defense while allowing those home run type of plays at the league's highest, you know, one of the league's highest rates. They allowed 16 plays of 40-plus yards last year, uh, which is, you know, third most. 
last year they, they really, you know, I think it's helpful, and maybe this is uh, because I'm a baseball writer or was a baseball writer at one point, it's helpful to think of this in, like, baseball terms. So last year they allowed a ton of home runs, but they also allowed a ton of singles. So if you think about this, like, plays between 20 and 40 yards, those explosive plays, those chunk plays that every modern NFL head coach, you know, wants now, think of those as doubles. Last year, Washington allowed only 63 doubles all year, which is, you know, the league's lowest rate. They were really good at, you know, when they busted, they busted big, but that was okay because they, they, they played well enough the rest of the time it didn't matter. This year, they've already conceded 26 of those, which is league average, but every time you give up a double, it, it, your defense got to stay on the field, you got to do more, it gives, you know, offenses more opportunities to exploit and see, see your coverages. So I think there's a lot of things going on, as you can tell by this rambling. And so uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think there's just a lot going on there. Yeah, and to me, the predictable is a bigger problem than the vanilla. Like, the Legion of Boom was predictable. They were playing cover three every snap, and they were going to kick your ass doing it. Like, this, that's the thing with this defense, though, is, like, they're not good enough to be predictable from a talent perspective. It's one thing when you got Richard Sherman on one side, Cam Chancellor over the middle, their linebacker play was insane, so those underneath coverage guys, guys like Bobby Wagner, were incredible in those zones, and so they just played it so well that, like, didn't matter what your play call was, you were not going to get big chunk yardage. This defense isn't that, and so that's the kind of thing where I think Del Rio, in fairness to him, is in a tough spot because... They need to make the defense simple enough that their players can digest it and actually try to do the things that they want, but complex enough that offenses can't sit on it. And I don't know if that happy medium exists. Yeah, and I think a good example of that is William Jackson, right? Like, he's a man corner who, you know, I think a good example of of maybe what an approach with him could be is what Marshawn Lattimore did yesterday by, by mostly shadowing Terry McLaurin. They've asked him to play a lot of zone, to play a lot of different, um, you know, coverages this year. And I think he struggled at times. You've seen those blown coverages uh, where he's just having a hard time uh, figuring out, you know, hey, you know, what do I need to do on, on a play-to-play basis? And, and Ron Rivera, obviously, you know, his penalties have been a, a huge problem as well. But I think that uh, Ron Rivera said they played a lot of man yesterday and, and the coaching staff actually graded William Jackson out uh, in terms of one of his best games in Washington. So I think that that speaks to your point of, okay, you know, what is the balance here between being simple enough to let, you know, letting your players capitalize on the talent, but also, you know, being disguised enough where Sean Payton can't say, okay, I know they're going to run, you know, five, five defensive linemen, so I'm going to come out and I'm going to exploit that. Yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, but the idea, I, there was a quote today from Ron that, you know, he was trying to offer as a defense, but I don't think as much of one which is that, you know, oh, well, we had somewhere, it depended on which version of the quote, because he was asked multiple versions of the question. Like, we had just two plays that were huge busts, or four to five plays, and like, I'm not going to scrap everything because we gave up that. And it's like, well, in the NFL, the margins are pretty small, and if you're giving up four to five huge plays a game, like, that's that's at least three to four too many. And, and I guess that's kind of the other thing, too, is like, I don't know what the solution is for Ron to get more involved, to... to you know, tell Jack to do X, Y, or Z if they're, we're already starting with the premise that, hey, we're just going to bust four to five times because I just don't think this defense is good enough to do that, to, to whether it's making up stuff, you know, making up for it in the red zone uh, to, to get stops and hold teams to, to three, or obvi- obviously we see what happens, I think, on offense when Taylor Heineke starts to feel pressure like he did against Buffalo and like he did yesterday, and that's where the, the turnovers start to come in. 
Well, I think this goes back to my convoluted point about like home runs and, and doubles. Like, I think that last year you were elite, even though you had those busted coverages, you just, instead of having them, you know, four to five times a game, you had them two times a game. And I think that Ron's point, and, and I'm not saying, you know, this is valid or not. I'm just saying his point was, other than those explosive plays, I saw improvement in the little things that, that you know, I was concerned about. The things, you know, the misassignments, the, the incorrect techniques, the leverages that were my concerns before. And so he is saying that, you know, okay, the, the Hail Mary at halftime, like, that just is going to happen to teams sometimes. Like, they, you know what, like, that, that's not a systemic issue um, is, is what he's saying. So I think he, you know, that point, uh, whether you agree with it or not, is that we are going to make the small adjustments necessary to, to take steps forward. Uh, and obviously you have a very difficult slate to prove that against in terms of the Chiefs, Green Bay, you know, even Denver, if, if they get their offense back looking like it was a couple weeks ago, uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, this is a, this is a really tough stretch, uh, you know, to kind of prove that. Yeah, yeah. Being Max Scherzer, uh, if it was that easy, that everyone would be Max Scherzer. I guess that would be my <laughs> my counter to Ron via your point. Let me ask you one more question on this kind of big picture defense Rivera thought, and then we'll dive into the offense. But uh, I guess the simple question is: Do you believe him? Like he's telling us this stuff, but I think Ron is very good at coach speak, and I don't know whether he actually believes the stuff or he knows that he has to be extremely defiant in the media to not have any riff in the culture, whatever, blah blah blah, coach speak word salad here that he's created in that locker room and around the organization. Do you actually believe he thinks the things that he's telling you in those press conferences? Until I have reason to suspect otherwise, I'm going to take him at face value because I think that that's what I need to do. And if you and if you go and if you go back uh, and you look, but but I do think there is validity to say to doubt his sincerity here because if you go back and look at his comments about Dwayne Haskins after the Ravens game week four last year, you know he said, oh, you know Dwayne did some good things, we're seeing some progress, you know, on after the game immediately, and then on the Monday, and then you know before you get to practice on Wednesday, he benches the guy. So. Uh, he is, you know, he was very, very defiant. Um, I think in ways that he was not about Dwayne um, in terms of defending Jack Del Rio and saying he wasn't going to make coaching changes. But I mean, it, it, I don't. Maybe he has to convince himself of this stuff. Maybe, maybe he truly believes it. I don't know. But that, you know, he is continuing to defend his guy right now, and uh, I, I don't see any reason for for obvious change on the immediate horizon. Sam Fortier of the Washington Post with us here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. All right, yesterday offensively, like Heineke does some amazing stuff. He makes a ton of plays. I actually think he sees the field pretty well. I just think sometimes to, to use a, a non-baseball childhood analogy, something my mom used to tell me when I'd leave food on my plate, is your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And for Heineke, his eyes are bigger than his arm. And so there are times where he tries to, to drive balls in or float balls over uh, that, that take a lot of zip and a, the perfect angle, and, and they just don't get there. So where are you at, and what did Ron have to say about Heineke's performance, specific to the turnovers that are really those backbreakers, the, the, the home runs or doubles in reverse almost for a defense? <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that, I mean, this has been the story of Taylor Heineke's career, right? Like, even if he's not making turnover-worthy plays, in his first career start, you know, he partially tears his tricep, uh, you know, because he's trying to sling it. You know, he gets hurt in the Tampa Bay game because he's diving for the pilot. I mean, this guy has just – he's always been the type of person um, who who has that, you know, competitive fire inside him that makes him the quarterback that he is. But it's also going to lead to those, you know, disastrous plays where he tries to fit things in or, 
he thinks, hey, this time I'm going to overcome this part of myself. And so to me, like those turnover worthy plays, can he learn to suppress that instinct? That's the question of, of the rest of the season because, you know, Taylor Heineke at his best in the fourth quarter specifically, like his passer rating, like he is a very, very good quarterback. But he just, for some reason, has those plays where, you know, against the Giants, that interception late in the fourth quarter, it didn't end up hurting him um, because, you know, he was able to have another chance. Yesterday against the Saints, he didn't get that chance uh, late in the fourth quarter, so he didn't pull it off. So I, I think to me, uh, you know, this is a really big question about who he actually is as an NFL starter because really the sample size is still only six games, as Ron Rivera would tell you. And the question is, can he learn to be better than that? Yeah, the situational awareness just seems to be lacking. Like so many of his his turnovers come whether it's inside their own twenty or like red zone. Like that, that's those are the places you just can't turn it over. You have to be extra cautious, and he hasn't seemed to figure that out yet. Um, uh, one more question for you on the way out: How screwed are they with Curtis Samuel? <laughs> I mean, uh, this is certainly not what you want for your. <laughs> that's the analysis we come to you for. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think Ron Rivera knows. I don't think Curtis Samuel knows because, like, these groin injuries, uh, like, yeah, I mean, they're, they've obviously been a problem. We've seen this before. Anybody who follows the NFL knows that, you know, these are these are tricky ones to manage. Is there a right answer in terms of treating it, in terms of his workload? I don't know because, obviously, you know, you, you wish that uh, if you're Washington that you didn't have the Cam Sims and De'Ami Brown injuries last week so that those guys would have to play, you know, he would have to play more. Uh, but I, I just – I don't know if there's a right answer here because it's obviously been such a tricky thing. Yeah, they gave him the time off, which is part of what you want to do. And then uh, that didn't help because he only played five snaps. Uh, Sam Fortier, you can read him in the Washington Post, washingtonpost.com slash sports. Uh, he's doing a great job covering the football team, sometimes making baseball analogies and, and sometimes just, you know, straightforward. No analogies needed. Uh, Sam, appreciate the time, man. Of course. Thanks for having me, Craig. Craig Hoffman with you on overtime on the fan. Sam Pell in 10 minutes. Couple calls. Let's squeeze them in. Mark's in Largo on the Gambit DC listener lines. Mark, thanks for calling. You are on the hey, fan. Hey, 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 Craig, how you doing? And I don't I don't want you to take this personal, but I'm about to ask you, but I have to ask you this question. Okay. Do you consider yourself a journalist or a sports radio talk show host? Uh, at this point, a sports radio talk show host. I'm not on the beat anymore. Yeah, I don't fair. do reporting, and I that, I fair. find it disrespectful to answer that question any other way. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the reason why I asked you is because Scott Turner does need to be fired. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, just, just hear me out. Just hear my yeah, yeah. Hear, no, hear I, I say this. Go for okay. it. Hear me out. Hear me out. I, I've been watching football longer than you've been breathing for over 40 years. That and is I've longer than I've been breathing. You You got that right. That is true. I've never seen where a team has 36 minutes in time possession, 76 to 55 plays, and they don't win by more than more than a touchdown. Never. I've never seen that happen. He is the first OC I've seen that happen to. Now we can sit up here and say, "What I know you're going to talk about, Curtis Samuel's not there. We don't have. He doesn't have the players." But here's the problem that he has: when they got rid of Dwayne Haskins last year, you put the Bulls out on you. And they didn't address, they didn't trade up. Hold on. Matt Jones. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Is that a defense of Haskins? Let me finish. Let me finish. Craig, let me finish. 
Did they address the quarterback situation this year? No. Yeah, they, they spent ten million dollars on Ryan Fitzpatrick and got hurt in the and second how quarter. That out for them, and how has that worked out for them? And they didn't Art. trade up and get a young guy. No. Okay. He's gone through four quarterbacks since he's been here, and the offense has basically looked the same. I'm sorry, Craig. Look, this is not personal. It's not this personal not to me. Personal. I'm not taking it personally. I think your analysis stinks. You think? Oh, Craig. See, see. Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> like, you I'm sorry, Mark. Mark I'm gonna let you. I'm Mark. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go. But I appreciate the call. Like, I, I think you bring up interesting information. Like, I don't think your eyes are in the wrong place on the stat sheet. I think your interpretation of it's wrong. Because at the end of the day, that's the same OC that got them 36 minutes time of possession and 20 more plays. You can't give the credit. You can't say like, oh, this is how it happened in spite of Scott Turner, and then it's his fault they didn't capitalize. He's got a quarterback who can't stop turning the ball over in the red zone. He's got a quarterback that's gone on long drives and turned the ball over at the end of them. It's not Scott Turner's fault that Taylor Heineke threw a terrible ball to Curtis Samuel in the red zone yesterday on the tail end of a long drive. That's how you accumulate time of possession and you accumulate plays. You get long drives. And then if you don't finish those drives, that's how you lose. You have to execute in the red zone. I think Scott Turner's red zone play calling has left something to be desired. I also loved the touchdown uh, run to, to Gibson yesterday. I love that play design. I don't mind the shotgun stuff uh, on short yardage. I know like Michael Phillips hates that. Um, some of my other buddies on the beat hate that. I don't mind. The, court, the, the running back gets to see the, the, the blocks develop in front of him from snap. It's a slower develop uh, in some ways from the vision standpoint, but he's got to cover the same ground. So with Turner, they spent a ton of money and a ton of time on creating all this stuff for Curtis Samuel. And when he's in there, you see how dynamic this offense can be, how much of a game changer. But they don't have the personnel when all these other dudes are hurt. Like when you get a shutdown, shutdown corner like Marshawn Lattimore, especially one who's practiced against Terry McLaurin as much as Marshawn Lattimore has, who's going to do as good of a job on him as you can possibly do, and Terry still had a decent day yesterday, then... You're going to have to live with some of that. Like, if then if your number two receiver position, the next three guys are out, Samuel, Brown, and Cam Sims, that's not on Scott Turner. What, what play is he supposed to call that makes Dax Milne into a viable option? What play is he supposed to call? How is he supposed to coach up Taylor Heineke to make it so that uh, whoever else was out there yesterday? I can't even remember. Adam Humphreys had an okay day. Like, DeAndre Carter's bounced around and was signed to be a, a returner. He's actually been a good receiver for them. Like, decent. He's been, he's been impactful. They found a way to get him the ball, which I like. They used him on multiple jet sweeps, multiple little shovel passes. Like, they, they got the ball to the playmakers available to them. That's not on the... The, the offensive coordinator can't make dudes be healthy. We, I mean, just because we like Ricky Seals-Jones as a backup for Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas was a starter for the reason, for a reason. And if you want to make it, say, an organizational decision to not bring in a young guy at quarterback, Bill Belichick, football god that he is, traded up for Mac Jones, 
and they lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL yesterday. They didn't think, their scouting department, if you want to criticize that, fine. They didn't think there was anybody worth trading up for. So they got as good of a veteran option as was available on the market, and he got hurt because that happens because it's football. Heineke's played pretty well. He needs to stop doing the really dumb stuff. When Heineke's mistakes stop being interceptions and start being incompletions or even just taking a sack, then then you're good. Like, it used to drive me nuts watching film of Cousins because he'd lead stuff off the, off the field or leave stuff on the field. Like, there'd be deep shots open that he wouldn't take. But at least he wasn't making back-breaking turnovers on the regular. Now, he had a couple real not- noticeable, notable and noticeable ones. Obviously, big games, end of season. But week in, week out, the frustration with Cousins, who is a very average NFL quarterback, was that he didn't do more. For Heineke, he makes the kind of plays that lose you games. And so, no, that's not on Scott Turner. He's got a dude who's an undrafted free agent who bounced around the league, who's got six career starts under his belt, and he's making him into a guy who's putting up almost 30 points a game. That's a pretty good job by the OC. Not a bad one. We're talking hockey next? Yes, we're doing it. We are going to the Capitals because their season starts on Wednesday. It's that time of year already. Sam Pell joins us on Overtime on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 